0: Grace to you and peace from the God who is our Father. And from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. We consider the words of King David, Psalm 24, verses 7 to 10. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle, lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. In Psalm 24, a king named David writes about the coming, the advent of another king, a greater king. He calls us to celebrate the arrival of that king because this king is coming to the city that by rights belongs to him to claim the throne that is his and his alone. So, it's a man who knows what it is to be a king who talks about another king. Let's take a few moments to do the same thing because it's appropriate. In one way or another, we all want to be kings. And in one way or another, we continually struggle to do what David did. That is, to recognize that there is a greater king whose rule we are to celebrate without hesitation, in contrast to the way we unthinkingly celebrate our own rule. The, the comparison kind of worked for me rather naturally going back to the days of the traditional version of the Lord's Prayer that begins with our Father who art in heaven. What I'm thinking about is the petition, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. To pray those petitions, I've got to set aside prayers that come to me naturally not Lord thy kingdom but my kingdom come my will be done that comes to me naturally not as a matter of theory but as a matter of strategies of life I want to be the king from early on we want to be the one in charge we want to Receive what a king receives, to be honored, respected, listened to, obeyed. We want our will to be done. And how does that work out? Within a family, within relationships. Recognize that kings tend to build their kingdoms by force, even by destroying things. And so wanting to be in in charge, we learn the strategies of diplomacy. We seem to know almost automatically how to use threats or, or force. Sometimes we seek to get our way by simple stubbornness relying on other people to be too polite to really stand up to us. We build up defenses to protect our interests and our desires, and those defenses we build up, they create distance, and that distance as such is not good within, within a home, within family such is my guilt and such is my foolish rebellion. that I want everything to revolve around me. And I fight battles to achieve my selfish, self-centered goals. Those strategies that we use include things like whining and complaining, threats, violence, deception, stealth, just plain stubbornness. And those strategies are destructive. And so at our heart, we fight against the idea of God being king, being in charge, because I trust my will. I see reasons not to trust his. Now, people in theory are still ready to welcome Christ as a king. Have you think of the first really big crowd that acknowledged Jesus as king? Not Palm Sunday, but the day after. The day after Jesus had miraculously fed the 5,000, a whole crowd of people set out on foot to find him again, to compel him to be a king by force, a bread king, we would say. They wanted a king who first and foremost would change their circumstances in life. But Jesus didn't come to be simply that kind of king. He didn't come to change my circumstances. He came to change me. He came to change you. He came to fix the biggest problem that exists since the fall into sin when Adam and Eve said, we can't trust the will of the God who created us and gave us everything. Jesus came to fix that problem and put trust back where it belongs, in our hearts towards the Father, who, after all, is absolutely and perfectly trustworthy and Faithful. Earthly kings take power and hold power by force, by threat of force, by being willing to destroy things. Jesus takes control not by destroying and killing, but by giving life, the life that is really life. He did not come revealing a power that would be intimidating and threatening to compel us to be different, he set aside his power and glory. He humbled himself, he humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. He was willing to look like the most incredible failure of a king to hang on a cross where What power, what control would he have? What good could he do? But there he reveals his heart and the heart of the Father who sent him. And now we find here is a king whom we long to have rule over us. I remember being confused by a description of the gospel as being the good news of the kingdom. And I think that there are many people who as a normal matter of fact are confused about that. The good news of the kingdom for some means it's the good news that God is in charge. Well, really by implication. God will be in charge if you let him. So it's up to you to let him be in charge. The good news of the kingdom it's not just that there is a God who is powerful, who is almighty. The good news is the heart that shapes his rule, the grace that leads him to redeem and forgive. Why do we want to be in that kingdom where somebody else is in charge? Because at the cross, we've seen what he does when he is in charge he sets aside his power to destroy our enemy to claim us as his own and to make things right again he came to claim us he came to change us and it's seeing christ them that changes us that gracious love that forgiving heart makes us want to live out our thought life, our life of words and actions where he is in control. And that, that kind of change can show up anywhere. Think of that, that man who is dying on the cross who prays not to be rescued by a change in circumstances, but to be remembered by one whom he understood to be coming into a kingdom. And blessed to hear that loving response that he would be with the Savior in paradise that very day. In Advent, we celebrate the coming of God in the flesh. It's a a penitential season. It's a time for us to stop and consider whether we're really living out that, that news that is good. Are we prepared for his coming? And that means then that we root out any any walls or barriers we try to build against his kingdom, his rule, and his authority. My fallen nature still does not trust the will of that loving Redeemer. And so that means for us, Advent is a, a fight to remember who he is And really, with that, what he has done. Advent then means is a matter of focusing on the richer gifts our God gives, not changed circumstances, but changes that touch touch us. Perhaps you're saying that that hymn of repentance: "Forgive us, Lord, for shallow thankfulness, for dull content with warmth and sheltered care." For songs of praise, for worldly wealthiness, while of your richer gifts we are unaware. And the second verse begins, Teach us to thank you, Lord, for love and grace, for life and vision, for a purpose clear. A pastor named Leslie Brandt wrote a book, contains a series of Prayers Based on Psalms, entitled Psalms Now. He wrote that for his congregation to use in worship. His poem on Psalm 24, a paraphrase, refers to questions David had asked earlier in the psalm about those who are pure with hand and heart that can, can ascend the Lord's hill. He asks, Who are they who truly love and serve God? It is they who discover and live within His purposes for their lives. It is they whose hearts and hands are dedicated to His will for them. It is they who turn away from self-centered concerns to live for others about them. Advent is a time to seek the face of the one who has called us out of darkness into His wonderful light seeking Christ's face is seeking to understand his heart more clearly. His incarnation and his great work of redemption tell us what kind of king he is and how he rules. Now it is no small thing for you or I to say we want Christ to be king. But that is dwarfed Insignificant by how much Christ wants to be your king. To do what kings do for their people. To protect, to provide, and to guide. I think our struggle can rightly be described as a struggle against sins of self protection. Kind of a foolish thing, isn't it, for us to think with our limited abilities and understanding and our limited control, to think it's our job to protect ourselves. But that's what we seek to do sins of self-protection are those sins that seem to so right to us just because we are I'm just taking care of my needs and my interests I'm protecting me but it's the foolishness of a limited frail creature trying to do the job that Christ the king has claimed for himself so through advent let's remember Christ our King and how he reigns. And in remembering that, we're also remembering who we are and what he has already made of us. I would leave you with that word of doxology that comes in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. To him who loves us, literally, to him who is loving us and has freed us Finished, completed act with ongoing significance. To him who is loving us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. Royal priests, that's what we are. Our purpose is to serve the God and Father who sent him. Amen. Amen.